This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hockey fans, and welcome to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner in all these pods at Puckcast is AJ Schultz, and he's back, and you can follow him at AJ Schultz24. On today's podcast, we're going to take a look at the results of the NHL's amateur draft and a flurry of trades that occurred around the, that annual event. Then we're going to look ahead to next week's anticipation of the free agent frenzy that kicks off july the first aj this is a busy time in the nhl offseason and it really keeps the nhl scene front and center for all hockey fans like us your thoughts well seasons are really won and lost in this time period it's it's not just the guys you bring in or the guys that you you know retain but decisions to let certain players go uh, everything you do in this time period will have a lingering Uh, impact when you're trying to make the playoffs or make a deep run next april Uh, the same goes for fantasy owners you need to pay attention to where a guy is going trying to figure out what his role is going to be on that new team or how another player leaving is going to impact you know the guys that stay behind Uh, the prime example i'll throw out there is if you're a matt murray owner his games played is going to shoot through the roof this year as he becomes the number one if you stuck with uh, mark andre fleury same thing there you're going to see his numbers go up because he's now going to headline the Vegas team you know playtime is really the key uh, your guys can't score from the bench or even worse from the press box so uh, really uh, important to watch those things before we kick off the rest of the show I'll remind our listeners that throughout the week if you have questions about your lineups uh, fantasy hockey or just hockey in general you can tweet at us we'll try and answer those questions during our next uh, um, podcast or, or during the show I had an interesting one come in uh, about some keepers this week you know trying to figure out what uh, what players to keep so paul and i both chimed in on that one so we're happy to help in any way you can as as i said you or as paul said you can follow me at aj schultz 24 and you can follow paul the statsman at statsman 22 all right uh, we're going to take a look now at the most recently concluded nhl draft we're going to concentrate our efforts on the first line first uh, round aj and give a bit of a thumbnail on some of the top picks and and some of the more intriguing picks there. I know in Toronto there's a lot of excitement about the, the player that fell to them, and, uh, and we'll cover that all off. Uh, let's begin with the surprise maybe at the top of the, the heap where Nico Heischer wound up 
being the top choice of the New Jersey Devils. Were you a little bit surprised by that selection? Uh, I really wasn't. You know, it, it was kind of a coin toss, I feel like, between him and Patrick. Uh, and I really think the teams could have gone either way uh, on that one. Um, I know Philadelphia fans will be perfectly happy with, with Patrick, but, you know, he sure would have been fine for them as well. They both play center. Um, they, you know, they're both kind of big guys. They're both over six foot. Uh, and so I think, again, kind of a coin toss. Uh, you know, the Devils obviously saw something in, in Heischer that, that they decided to go with him. Uh, I think what was most interesting for me is that they decided to stay there rather than trade out. Uh, I, I'm sure they could have gotten some some good value for trading out of that pick. Uh, you know, this is a team in a rebuild, so they could have used multiple picks. But, you know, can't blame him for picking Heischer, that's for sure. You know what? He's definitely the flashier of the two. He went, uh, he completed his first year in the QMJHL with 86 points in 57 games. That's typical of the mathematics you would expect of a, of a high-scoring player that goes this high in the draft. But the fact of the matter is he's a little bit slight, more slightly built than Nolik Patrick. You said they're both over six feet tall. Heischer's about 175 pounds. I think that's a generous listing, by the way. And uh, <laughs> Nolan Patrick, though, more, more sturdily built. And I think he was hampered age by the fact that he uh, he was hurt a little bit last year and and that impacted on his stra- draft status I think so uh, I I think in terms of the Flyers I think they got to be excited about a guy who who will slot in nicely eventually uh, as a nice one-two punch with Claude Giroux in the middle of the ice but uh, his mathematics uh, in terms of the scoring numbers were dampened last year and so he took a bit of a second second seat uh, based on that because he was only limited to 33 games and compiled 46 points. That's a pretty good ratio in line with he, what he sure did. But I guess some concerns about the fact that he was hurt for much of the season uh, impacted on this decision for New Jersey. Uh, over the long haul, I think they're going to be two uh, of the young stars that we'll talk about in this league for the next 10 years minimum. What about some of the other guys, uh, say, uh, that caught your eye, say the third pick, Miro Heiskanen. There was a run on Finnish players in the draft, AJ, and Heiskanen was the third pick, went to Dallas, and uh, I, I think this was a bit of a surprise for me. Yeah, I mean, there's not, uh, you know, there's not a lot on him. He's only been uh, kind of pro for, for just last season uh, in in the Swedish league there, but Boy, there are a ton of top Swedes in the league, and so you can't really blame teams for for looking, uh, you know, to that league, especially Swedish defensemen. Um, you know, there's a there's a handful of guys in the league. You know, he is only 17 years old, so uh, you're kind of taking a little bit of a risk there. And so that would be my primary concern is just just the youth factor. Um, but Dallas doesn't have a ton of depth on the on the blue line, or, or rather. They have a lot of depth, but not a lot of star power on their blue line. I, let's let's put it that way. And so, getting you know a top guy that could potentially grow um, into something, you know, uh, Alec, you know, Latang, or PK Subban, or, or one of those guys. I think he could become that. Now, I'm not going to guarantee that. Uh, I'll I'll pass on on putting any money down on that one. But uh, he certainly could develop into that. And so I think that's obviously what they're looking for here. You know what? Uh, when you look at the size and the scoring stats on, on a few of the defensemen that went in the first round here, the profile, it seems to be uh, Eric Carlson clone hoping is, is 
<laughs> what I'll call it. Kale McCarr, another guy that fits into that mold. He was the next pick by Colorado. And if you look at McCarr's numbers, they uh, they grew uh, over the last couple of years. He, he's played three years with the Brooks Bandits in the AJHL. And uh, the numbers last year, compared to the ones the year before, he was a point-of-game defenseman in 2015-16, uh, but he bumped that up to almost one and a half points per game, 24 goals, 51 assists for the Brooks Bandits. And uh, 75 points in 74, 54 games is indicative of the fact that this guy's offensive-minded. A bit smallish in stature, though. That's where I talk about the Eric Carlson thing. Not noted for his physicality, only 18 penalty minutes, 5'11 and 180 pounds. So you know that this Calgary native is... is uh, off, all about the offense and a, a very good puck handler and adept uh, at the scoring side of the game, no question, with the 24 goals. That's almost one goal every two games in the uh, junior ranks. So uh, Ka- Makar uh, is, is being looked at by Colorado as definitely a guy who's going to have to be a linchpin on their offense from the blue line going forward. They have a lot of holes to fill in Colorado. This is just one of them. This guy is going to get a chance, probably not this year, but maybe another year in the minors. There's not too many ready for primetime players in the first round here, AJ, in my opinion, beyond the first couple of picks that we already covered. So it's interesting for me to see that there was a run on defensemen and then a run on centers that ensued after uh, this pick. Certainly the Vancouver Canucks, a team that's going to need help and and uh, they made an interesting pick with Elias pa- Pedersen a Swedish center they have a Swedish center of note in Vancouver so you'll know that uh, the Sedin twins will take this kid under their wing he's 6'1 165 pounds very slightly built guy uh, what do you think about that pick uh, and maybe a couple of the other centers that followed well, I, I actually like uh, Cody Glass, and you, you talked about there not being a ton of options here uh, that could get some playtime right away. I think Glass is one that could. Uh, you know, he's going to Vegas, and so I think that helps his his prospects as far as getting into the lineup right away. Uh, it would be uh, in their best interest, in my opinion, to get him some ice time right away. Now, he's also spent uh, the last two years playing for Mike Johnston in, in Portland of the, the Western Hockey League. He racked up 94 points in 69 games last year, uh, a 31 plus minus. So I think that's another big, big number there for, for uh, you know, indicative of his two-way style of play. Uh, very strong defensively in addition to everything he does, uh, you know, in the offensive zone. So I think Cody Glass is actually a player you, you know, fantasy owners out there might want to take a look at as far as somebody who could get play time right away. Uh, a little further down, a, a player who's definitely not going to get play time right away, but I think is an interesting kit, uh, pick is Casey Middlestad. Uh, Buffalo took him eighth overall. You know, he's still, uh, he's just coming out of high school. I think that's what kind of intrigues me the most about this pick. It's pretty high for a guy who, you know, there's not a lot of film on out there. Uh, he's with the, the Green Bay Gamblers of the, the USHL, and so uh, not a not a ton of experience, uh, you know, 18 years old, uh, but 30 points in, in 24 games, you know, with Green Bay. So I think there's definitely uh, some talent there. I, I, I think it's a little bit of a stretch, though, for eighth overall, just because there is, you know, so little out there on him. I, I would have thought he would drop, you know, a little bit further into maybe the teens. Well, and one guy who kind of uh, was picked a bit higher than his grade was Michael Rasmussen, the guy that came right after a Detroit Red Wing pick. And our friends at the head office, uh, Mike G and uh, 
Jeff Erickson and other Red Wings fans are going to hate the fact that I'm going to kind of pan this pick a little bit. He had 55 points in 50 games played. He's a giant of a, of a young man, six foot six, is uh, 215 pounds. So again, a guy who's going to fill out. He's only 18 years of age. But I'm a little bit concerned that this guy doesn't fit the profile of what uh, is is going forward in hockey, and that's the the speedy setter. This guy's a big, rangy type, not as quick as some of the other guys. Obviously, owing to his size, he's naturally not going to be a as swift a guy. But uh, you wonder with that imposing physical stature if uh, that will be an edge that that, that he can parlay into an, an extension of uh, extended career rather uh, for the Detroit Red Wings. They're in rebuilding mode, and and I just felt this was an interesting pick that kind of went against the norm in terms of what we're seeing in, in hockey players in recent years that are entering, entering the league. It's more about speed than size, but I guess the Red Wings were attracted by the fact that this guy might be a, a combination that they can live with, and uh, certainly down low and in front of the net, he can cause trouble if he fills in that imposing size. So uh, an intriguing pick, uh, one that has a few people, more than a few people kind of scratching their heads uh, on that uh, selection. We go back to the wings for the next pick uh, with the Florida Panthers. They picked Owen Tippett. Now, Owen Tippett, a right winger, a Canadian born, six foot, 200 pounds. That's a ready for prime time player size wise. And uh, you wonder if, uh, if he's going to be ready to go with the Panthers. They'll have a few openings this year too. But uh, this guy's more in line with a ready-to-go hockey build that might make him uh, have an outside chance at qualifying for some playing time this year just because he's grown into his body more than some of the other guys that are his peers. Uh, in terms of the offensive numbers for the Mississauga Steelheads of the OHL, in 60 games played, 44 goals and 75 points. Uh, a great jump over the prior year when he had only 20 points in 48 games. So you, you have to like the fact that he really showed a lot of growth the plus plus minus went from a minus two to a plus 24 he also had an extension extended run in the playoffs with 19 points in 24 games when the stakes were a little bit higher so all those things uh, indicators showed very well in terms of his development and the panthers will hope to nurture that to the next level yeah i agree i think he could you know, definitely uh, do some good things. I think what'll be interesting is how they decide to use him, whether they let him stay in, in the OHL for, for another year um, or if they move him uh, over to the uh, the AHL and try and get him uh, with their affiliate there. So I think that'll be indicative of how quickly uh, we'll see him in the league. And you know, I like the pick by the Los Angeles Kings, Gabriel Velarde. The, this rangy center, kind of a compliment to Anze Kopitar, uh, down the middle of the ice eventually in Los Angeles. Six foot two, 200 pounds. I keep saying about a ready-to-go hockey build. I like the size that he comes up with. One of the uh, better physiques, I guess, uh, in the list of uh, players that were drafted as forwards at this point. Another Canadian board player from the OHL, Spitfires in Windsor. And so uh, I'm interested to see where this guy slots in eventually for the Kings. But I, I could see him being a nice compliment as a scoring center behind uh, their uh, longtime leader who will be around for a few more years, and that's Anze Kopitar. Well, if you want to talk about size, you can't uh, look over Cal Foote, uh, the 14th <laughs> overall selection by the Lightning, 6'4", 212 pounds. He's going to be a bruising defenseman. I have to imagine he'll get a shot in the league pretty soon. And, and for everything he can do on that on, uh, end of the ice, he can also uh, get pucks uh, to his teammates. He had 51 assists uh, in the WHL last season, plus another six goals. 
uh, you know, 41 penalty minutes and uh, a 39 uh, plus rating. So definitely a player uh, that will add some some bruising size, but also some some definite scoring, uh, a Dustin Bufflin type, if you will. And uh, then then the last center before we go on a run of uh, of defensemen was uh, in at this stage in the draft was Nick Suzuki, the Vegas Golden Knights. They got this pick from the Winnipeg Jets. He's 5'11", 183 pounds from played in Owen Sound in the OHL and uh, another offensive type at center. I like what the what the Knights have done here uh, in the first round, complementing their uh, their picks that they were allowed to make in the free agent uh, portion of the their development uh, a week ago they complemented that with two offensive minded centers believing in the nhl axiom that strength begins and ends with uh, development of players down the middle of the ice so suzuki another one of those offensively gifted players not as big as some of the others that were drafted but certainly as as certainly as skilled as any in the in the draft at 511 183 he'll fill out a little bit more and uh, i i'm sure that they're very happy with the first two picks they made there and then uh, you you made the point about Callan Foot. Uh, there are a number of defensemen that came after him in the draft, and this is where I got excited, AJ, because I saw the Maple Leafs were going to do well in in getting one of Brandstrom, Valimaki, and Lilligren. Uh, I'm interested to to point out and uh, that Lilligren from Sweden dropped in the draft rankings during the course of the year. Dropped significantly. Uh, he was a top five projection at the worst in preseason picks uh, when this when the last regular season started but a a tough time for him ensued with about with mononucleosis and a couple of other minor injuries that really limited his play and caused him to fall a little bit in the draft but I'm delighted that they got this guy I've seen a lot of highlights about him and you talk about Eric Carlson clones I mentioned that off the top this guy might be the closest to to what uh, the Ottawa Senators uh, fantastic uh, captain looks like uh, if Lilligren grows anywhere close to that in terms of skill level at the at the pro ranks the Leafs have really got maybe the steal of the first round here yeah I, I do think they made a slight mistake uh, in overlooking Eric uh, Brandstrom I think he really offers uh, a lot uh, as well and and didn't have quite the injury concerns a little more consistent he played 35 games this last season uh, but both guys really look very similar uh in in size and in uh you know style of play uh they're both young uh, i think vegas is going to be really happy there or rather I, I should correct myself toronto didn't miss out on them uh vegas took Branstrom first i i think if Branstrom had still been there i would expect the Leafs maybe would have gone in that direction instead absolutely and so th- those are some of the key players that we see being drafted in the first round players who eventually will find their way to the national hockey league uh, maybe about three or four of them will actually probably suit up this year but if you're in a, st- uh, a situation where you can stash future players i think we've touched on uh, those that should make an impact within the next two to four years at the nhl level so it'd be a good opportunity to to stash one or two of them below your uh, active roster line if, if you have such an opportunity in season long or daily leagues that you might be playing in this season but uh, up next aj we want to also uh, take a look at the trades that happened in the nhl over the past week that will impact some of the way uh, the way some of the rosters will wind up looking a whole host of big names were moved not the least of which we'll begin with a trade that went down last night the Dallas Stars picking up Mark Mathot from the Vegas Golden Knights the Knights have a still have a host of defensemen and and players overall that they will be 
trying to move before uh, the free agent frenzy and maybe certainly uh, later on this summer. But uh, Mathot was an interesting pickup, a guy who's going to solidify the defensive end for the, the Stars, which was a bit of a red flag zone last year. The price for that uh, acquisition to the Knights, uh, they send goalie prospect Dylan Ferguson and a second round pick in 2020. This is interesting to point out that the Knights have been co- concentrating on acquiring draft picks over the next one or two years. This one's three years out, but it is a second rounder, and those have quite a cachet attached to them as well. But what, what do you think about the fit with Mathot in Dallas? Well, I think Mathot will fit in fine with Dallas. Uh, he'll probably be, uh, you know, their top line pairing. They might, uh, you know, suit him up with Klingberg, although they might split those two guys up as, as well. It, it, there's a lot of decisions that I think the new coaching staff down there will have to make. Uh, but what I find most interesting about this is I, I don't think Vegas really got uh, a lot back here. Dylan Ferguson seems like a decent prospect. Um, you know, he uh, put up a 16-10-2 record in the WHL last year. Not outstanding. And as you mentioned, second-round pick is good, but it's not till 2020. I, I feel like, you know, Vegas might have been able to get better from Ottawa to avoid taking Mathot than what they got here. Uh, so I, I actually don't like the deal from, from their standpoint. Uh, for Dallas uh, to give up a, a Dylan Ferguson, not a huge loss for them. They actually uh, took Jake Odinger uh, with the 26 pick in the first round this year, so they stocked up, uh, you know, a, a prospect in goal anyway during the draft. So I think they had the extra body here. Uh, but I, I actually look at this as bad business for Vegas. I think they could have done better. Well, one team that I think made out like bandits is a team like the Calgary Flames when they they. Well, they paid a price, so I'll say the Islanders were the ones that that got robbed, uh, that did the robbing here. They picked up a first-round pick, a second-rounder, and a conditional second-round pick for Travis Hamannick, a guy who fits in as a second-line level defenseman in Calgary. Uh, They also get a conditional fourth-round choice. The Islanders got three top draft picks potentially for the acquisition of a a defenseman. That tells you the price tag is high for some of the defensemen that remain out there. And maybe that explains the reluctance for or the inability for Vegas to move some of the guys that I expected to be traded here. But what do you think about this deal between the Flames and the Islanders? I agree. The Flames really got swindled on this one. I mean, they must be hoping for 2014-15 Travis Hamanick, who had 33 (laughs) points. Uh, They're certainly not going to want the guy who only played 49 games last year, uh, had three goals, 11 assists. In 15-16, he played 72 games, only had 21 points. So his production's really dropped off the last couple of years. He's never played a full 82-game season. Uh, So there are certainly some durability questions there. Now, he will definitely be averaging over 20 minutes a night he's done that throughout his career when he's in the lineup so uh for the price that they paid i think hamannick uh you know there's just too many concerns for me to pay up quite that much so we're in agreement there i wonder if you're going to agree with my assessment of the penguins trade with st louis you know what uh, this was motivated in my mind from a distance seeing the abuse that uh, that some of the top penguins players take on a nightly basis i know Sidney Crosby gets a lot of it gets involved in a lot of physicality more than most NHL superstars the acquisition of Ryan Reeves kind of might take the edge off of that it cost the Penguins uh, Oscar Sundquist and a first round pick which was used in this particular draft the 31st pick in the first round just completed but the Pens, Pens do get for my money maybe one of the top scrappers in the league and real physical presence in Reeves that should 
quiet the amount of physicality that, that Sidney Crosby has to endure. Certainly the, the Penguins also picked up a second round pick in the draft, 51st overall, so they got an extra pick in, the, in round two. But what say you about giving up a guy like Sunquist and picking up a guy like Reeves? Well, it's definitely a win now mentality, and and of course Pittsburgh should be you know looking in that direction. Oscar Sunquist, I think, is going to be a great uh, prospect for St. Louis. He could suit up this year. He played a couple games this last year for the Penguins, uh, so definitely a, a player to watch and kind of figure out. As I said at the top, figure out what his role is going to be with St. Louis. Uh, if he's going to get regular play time, he might be one that you can snag uh, late, or you know if you're in a keeper league, get him that way. Uh, if you need penalty minutes and hits, I think uh, Ryan Reeves is going to suit your league pretty well. He had 104 penalty minutes this last season, 239 hits. I would expect both those numbers to go up. Uh, they're going to use him, as you said, to protect uh, the guys there. That's his primary role coming into this season. So don't don't expect him to do uh, too much on the scoring end. I think what he had last year, 13 points, is right about where he'll be. Uh, but I would expect those penalty minutes to tick up and those hits to keep coming. Yeah, maybe the impact of him on the roster should be more points for some of the top-end players on the Penguins who don't have to worry too much about the physical part of the game. So that may be where you see his value uh, long-term. Listen, there were a couple of other head-scratching deals uh, on this day, as uh, in this past week, rather, uh, that, that had me wondering. One of them was the St. Louis Blues picking up Braden Shen from the Flyers in exchange for Jory Laterra. And the Flyers also acquire a first-round pick in this most recent draft, 27th overall, turned out. And as well, a conditional first-round pick in 2018. I think that's a, a high price to pay for the Blues to acquire Shen. He certainly is a guy who will fit in nicely there in St. Louis. They've got a bunch of guys who have the same profile as he does toughness. I, I I think he's kind of like an Alex Steen type. He's got a combi- good combination of toughness and skill, and so he'll slide in there and fit very nicely. But I just don't like the fact the Flyers gave up on him. They certainly got a lot of assets in return. So Laterra, for his part, a pretty quality type playmaking center who will slot in nicely as maybe the number two guy in Philadelphia. But the, uh, the Flyers also get two high draft picks, and maybe that's what was the deal deal maker for them to let Shen go. Well, St. Louis is replacing David Perron uh, and his scoring, you know, what they lost to Vegas with Braden Shen. Uh, And I think they should be pretty comparable as far as points go and everything. Uh, I I actually think the Flyers, I I agree. I think they should have stuck on to him. I don't think the return that they got in Laterra and the two first-round picks is enough to really offset uh, what they're losing uh, offensively from Shen. But if they're looking, you know, long term uh, rather than next season, you know, that could be part of part of what factors in here. You know, they got Nolan Patrick there. So maybe they're trying to stock up a little more younger uh, picks and, and kind of go a new route rather than the, you know, Shen's uh, more of a win now guy with his on ice production. Yeah, and I think he's going to be more. He's going to be more expensive at the salary cap window, and that's also a factor in a lot of these trades. AJ, we have haven't got the time here and the latitude to break that down, but it's also wise to take a look at just the cap situations that each of these teams face, and maybe long term this gives the 
the Blues uh, a little more, a little less flexibility, and the Flyers a little bit more in terms of uh, the money spent on these assets. So we'll see. Have to factor then that in, and we will do so later in the summer when we do our season preview uh, for each of the, the divisions. So something our listeners can look forward to then. Uh, another trade that kind of fits the same bill as the Arizona Coyotes acquiring Derek Stepan and Antti Ranta from the uh, New York Rangers in exchange for a first-round pick in 2017's most recently completed draft, and defenseman prospect Anthony D'Angelo. Rangers, oddly enough, giving up a quality backup goalie here and also one of their team leaders up front. Uh, this one kind of indicates to me that the Rangers might be retooling a little bit here. They did get the first-round pick in the most recent draft from the Coyotes and a, a young defenseman, so maybe a bit of a turn for the New York Rangers, but a bit of a head-scratcher in terms of what the Coyotes are hoping to achieve. I, I actually like the, the deal for the Coyotes. I mean, they, they're basically replacing uh, some of their parts uh, with, with younger pieces, so they're going to let Shane Doan go. And Derek Stepan, I figure, will slot into that role. Could even take over the captainship there. We'll, we'll see if they go with him or somebody else. But he has experience uh, being part of a team's leadership group. So I think he could fit in nicely there. So they get a little younger. And then goaltending, you know, they made a bunch of moves here. They traded uh, Mike Smith away uh, for fear of, you know, losing, uh, you know, him uh, in the in the expansion draft. And so... They brought in Chad Johnson. It looks like they're probably going to let him walk. I'd be surprised if they retain him. He's an unrestricted free agent. And so Ranta comes in to be the number one guy. Uh, I think uh, the most disappointed guy in this trade was probably Louis Domingue. Uh, He sees his chances of being the number one kind of dash there. Anti Ranta is a younger, um, you know, top prospect or or not really prospect, but top prospect. you know, goaltending option kind of untested for for a full number one role but he'll get his shot so i i think arizona puts together some good pieces they've got a lot of young d on that team so i don't think they gave up too much uh, obviously the seventh overall pick they could have used that but uh you know it's not a class that had too many outside of those top two there weren't a whole lot of players that were uh, shoe in locks for you know quick NHL time a, a lot more of draft and develop in in this year's class and we can kind of gloss over the next deal Columbus Blue Jackets acquiring a minute uh Jordan Schrader from Minnesota. Schrader represents one of the depth cl- group of forwards that Minnesota could afford to give away, and they p- they pick up a prospect, Dante Salaturo, from uh, Columbus, uh, a guy that not a lot is known about him from my perspective, at least, AJ. But uh, to me, this is drafting... Uh, almost like drafting a future option or picking up a future option in in this deal for Minnesota. They had a wealth of options uh, on their forward ranks and uh, Columbus decided to pluck Schrader out of their ranks. Yeah, uh, just, uh, you know, Schrader wasn't going to fit in now. Uh, Columbus gets a player that's that's ready to go now and and Minnesota gets a a prospect for the future. I think it's a good move by both sides. Uh, You know, eventually Stahl is going to be gone. Hanzo might be gone. So having Salatoro to kind of develop him, I think, is a good move. And then one of the bigger trades, uh, Chicago was busy uh, before the the draft, AJ. We expected that because they have some cap situation issues. They're paying for the fact that they've got Taves and Kane locked up at uh, over $10,000 each against the cap. So they had to move some players around. But I was shocked that, that one of the guys was Artemi Panarin. He and Tyler Mott, along with a six-round pick in the most recent draft, go to Columbus, while the Hawks get 
Brandon Saad back from Columbus, a guy who will fit in very nicely on their team, a guy who knows his way around Chicago, having been there to start his career. They also get Anton Forsberg, who will slide in as this backup goalie, a quality backup option. So the Hawks did get some good value for the for the fact that they gave up uh, such quality in Panarin and, and uh, de- a good depth player in Tyler Mott. Interesting play uh, transaction between teams in the same division. So uh, I was a little bit surprised from that aspect. The Hawks, uh, big news for them, though, re- reacquiring Saad from the Jackets for Panarin. Well, this all has to do really with, with the financial aspect. Yeah. Uh, both both Saad and Panarin are, are locked in at six mil this year. But Panarin's going to be a a free agent in two years, whereas they've got four years on Saad on that current $6 million deal. And how Panarin's trending, $6 million is not going to be enough. No, Uh, Columbus is going to have to pay him if they want to keep him long term. Chicago gets a backup goaltender, something they haven't had, uh, you know, really secured since Scott Darling left. uh, So they needed somebody there. And so overall, I think kind of a good deal for both sides. You saw Kane and Taves, uh, it sounded like they were uh, sad when Saad left. Uh, Very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so they'll be quite thrilled to have him back, and we'll see how everything shakes out with that. But really, just a cap deal here. And then the next one, I think the Coyotes did the Hawks a favor here. They they got Nicholas Jalmerson. He's 30 years old, if I'm not mistaken, AJ, and uh, a guy who has a bit of a cap hit on attached to him as well the Hawks picked up two younger players and and really Connor Murphy is a guy who's a, whose talent level could eclipse uh, Yalmerson just by himself but they also picked up a prospect up front Laurent Dauphin who is highly regarded and could be a guy that they can hold on to for a bit of a low cap hit for a little while anyway so this is where the Hawks I think made out like bandits to use my earlier expression over the coyotes uh again i have some questions about what's going on in arizona i think the hawks took advantage of them in this trade well i actually don't don't necessarily agree when you look at at the numbers now on first on first blush you're going to see that they get rid of jalmerson's you know 4.1 million dollar cap hit and so that seems like a good good deal but uh murphy actually carries a a 3.75 and so he they're not really saving a lot of money there uh, unless they keep Dauphin in the minors. And so I, I looked at this. I saw it come across. I was like, oh, Chicago's shedding some cap. This will be a great move for them. But they're really not. So I'm not really sure why they were willing to give up Jalmerson, uh, you know, in order to get, I guess, you know, you're getting some young prospects, something Chicago has been lacking because they've been, you know, kind of trade for now lately. So maybe that's the motivation here. Um, but I think they would have been better off keeping Jalmerson. Well, I, I like Murphy, though, uh, AJ, and so I, I like the fact that he's coming the other way. He's a little bit younger, 24 years of age, so that the calendar is the advantage that they get here for guys that have the similar profile. I know the cap hit is, is almost the same, but they get a much younger guy, and uh, I'm hopeful that, I guess they're hopeful that he takes a bit of a hometown discount, if you can call the home team here, uh, the advantage for, for the Hawks uh, going forward. So, uh, so that's a situational pick, uh, saving a few dollars short term and hoping that the guy buys into the Hawks culture, I guess, is, is part and parcel of this equation. Then uh, the Montreal Canadiens, we noted last week that they shed a couple of guys on the blue line, so you knew that they were going to try and fill in. And they grabbed one of the excess blue liners from the Golden Knights. They picked up Dale, David Schlemko, a guy who fact figures to go as a third line, third level uh, pairing guy for the Montreal Canadiens defense going forward. But uh, 
based on what they lost with Yemelin going the other way and and another loss earlier on they they have some piece uh, holes back there and I don't think this is much of an upgrade on the blue line for the Canadians going forward the Knights for their, their part picked up a fifth round pick I think they could have done a little bit better than this but uh, I, I this is one where I give two thumbs down for both sides I agree absolutely I think Vegas probably could have done better here uh, Schlemko certainly is not going to replace Emelin uh, from Montreal's standpoint. Uh, and so there is still a question mark, too, of, of Andre Markov. He's, he's scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent. We'll probably talk about him a little bit later when we get into that. But overall, Schlemko's never averaged more than 19 minutes a, a game. Uh, last year, his ice time was actually down at 16.45. So he slots in as, as kind of a third uh, third option. He does have some power play experience, so maybe that's what they're looking for, but there's not much there. He had just three points uh, with the man advantage last year, so I, I agree, Paul. I don't love the move from either side. And then one where you might make a case that both sides did well is the, one of the earlier trades in this uh, this period that we just saw, and that's uh, Jordan Eberle going to the New York, New York Islanders and the Edmonton Oilers picking up Ryan Strom on the other side of the deal. This is two veteran forwards who've been around with their respective clubs uh, since they broke into the league. Eberle, for his part, a guy that I've always liked, a very high hockey IQ, but things never never really panned out to the extent that I thought that they should on the uh, in uh, Edmonton so I'm looking for him to have a bit of a rebirth he's going to get probably the plum assignment of playing with John Tavares these guys have excelled when they've been paired together at world hockey championships in years past so that's something that Eberly explained in his uh, his uh, outlook going forward he's hoping for, for the chance to play with the captain of the Islanders going forward and I love that pairing for him uh, he'll be locked in as a first line winger and uh, should be part of a pretty potent line there there with the Islanders captain for, on the other side of the coin the Oilers are saving some money here and they're getting a, a player who has more toughness than than scoring ability though Ryan Strom can put the puck in the net he's probably a guy who profiles as a 50 point player but I think the Oilers are taking him on because he looks like a guy who's more responsible as a two-way guy than Eberly was. And they need more of that in the Edmonton situation to take things to the next level. They've got a bunch of dynamic players lined up uh, like McDavid and Dreisaitl at the top end of their roster. But I think Strom fits in as, a, as maybe a defensive conscience who can play more of a two-way game there than they, they've seen in the past. Where we had two thumbs down on the last trade, this is two thumbs up for yeah. both sides on this one. Uh, and definitely Jordan Eberle is the John Tavares, please don't leave us trade. Uh, they <laughs> want to hold on to him doing everything they can. He had 51 points last year, uh, so a decent season. Played in all 82 games, so stayed healthy. That's another uh, great thing to note. Uh, with all the depth that they do have uh, in in Edmonton, you saw his minutes drop down to 16.46. This is a guy that is going to see upwards of, of 19, maybe even 20. Uh, he, he'll put up or log some pretty serious minutes, as you mentioned, on that top line. Uh, so I think it's a great deal for both sides. And, you know, they should both uh, both be quite happy. 
Well, and uh, two teams that'll be quite happy are the Carolina Hurricanes and the Vegas Knights because of the first trade in this round of, of movement. Trevor Rand Reemsdyke was a guy that we knew the Hawks were going to lose when this whole that Vegas Knights thing started out, but I don't think we forecast that he would not last in Vegas. I thought he would be one, one of the centerpieces of their blue line. However, they parlayed him into a second round pick in the most recent draft when they shipped him off to Carolina and they also gave up their seventh round pick. So one of the excess players on the blue line, this is kind of what I looked at when I looked at the David Schlemko deal. They moved Van Riemsdyk for a second round pick. And, and to me, Schlemko and Van Riemsdyk are kind of almost similar. I give a slight nod to Van Riemsdyk, but not three rounds worth in terms of draft picks. So this is my comparable for making the comment that I made earlier. Uh, I think a good good pickup by the Hurricanes as the Van Riemsdyk could eventually slot into their top two pairings on the blue line. I agree. I, I like the move here uh, by Carolina. And, and TVR was one of those guys that, you know, was on the outs uh, defensively. We've seen this before with, with uh, Trevor Daly. He had a tough time in Chicago, didn't really fit in well, didn't get a ton of games logged. Uh, and TVR is in the same situation, only played in 58 games last year. Uh, and so I think he'll expect him to take on a much bigger role in Carolina, uh, you know, They've got a young a young group all in their mid twenties. Uh, you know, uh, Van Riemsdyk is twenty five, so he'll fit in right there as well. Uh, and I would expect maybe some more special teams uh, roles for him. He averaged less than a minute on both the power play and, and shorthanded last season, but I would expect they use him in in those roles down in Carolina. AJ, that completes our analysis of the trades that have gone down, and we'll look ahead to the upcoming free agent frenzy in a moment, but we also want to give thanks to our sponsors at FanDuel with the reminder that baseball fans, baseball is back, and that means FanDuel is back, and it's better than ever. At FanDuel, there's fantasy baseball for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every day, no busted seasons. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and compete against other fans. New this year, there's an upgraded experience. There's late swap contests. You can edit your players right up to the start time of their individual games. There's no more worrying about a late lineup scratch or a sudden thunderstorm. Non-late swap contests are still available too. In updated scoring, we include the fact that there is quality starts po bonus points added to pitchers uh, that compile six plus innings and three or fewer earned runs. So they, are, they can control their own performance and you get more juice for picking the right guy if he goes deep and, and uh, gets the quality of, uh, start under his belt. They have a friends mode where you can create a league for your friends. We certainly have one set up at Rotowire on the season. Uh, you can choose the days you play each week. There's contests that will be created automatically and a leaderboard which keeps track of how we all stack, stack up against each other for those all-important bragging rights. Uh, AJ, you know what? I'm gathering steam as the season progresses because I'm, there's more of a form chart now that I'm relying on in terms of how players are going right now. I, I like to go with the hot hitters and the hot pitchers against guys that aren't so hot and, uh, and uh, cause mismatches up and down the board. Uh, it's leading to some success for me. Are you finding the same uh, route uh, now that we're deep into the season? Yeah, I think what I like most of, about having a little bit of a trend is, uh, you know, if you check out the Rotowire Optimizer, there's the stacks feature, uh, and you can generate a stack using uh, batters uh, who hot batters in the last seven days or hot value batters, guys who are going to cost you a little bit less in the last seven days. That's one aspect I really like there. They also have value batter uh, versus opposite hand, and so there's really. Uh, some great tools on the, in the Rotowire. Uh, the new stacks feature for the, the optimizers really helped me kind of key in. 
Uh, you can do one of two things. You can build a stack of, you know, kind of four players from different teams that all fit a similar mold, or you can pick your teams that you want to have two to four guys come from uh, for similar requirements. So it's a great feature. And it's really definitely helping me out. So we'll remind our listeners, have all the fantasy that baseball has to offer. At FanDuel, you can be sports rich. Sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. There's a special offer for new users, in fact. Deposit today and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus five free entries. That's up to $50 in value to try a variety of sports on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash RW. Don't forget to check out our daily pods from Monday to Friday where we preview all the daily MLB games in our DFS pods. I handle the Wednesday assignment with John McKechnie, who's been on fire all year long, and I'm kind of getting caught up in his wake now. It's getting hotter myself, so we, be, we urge you to listen to us. We give good advice uh, as best as we can based on all the information that's available for your listening pleasure and hope you can turn it into big bucks. Now, AJ, you and I get to turn our attention to the upcoming free agent frenzy. There are a couple of websites that are really good at, at outlining the cap strategies and status for each of the teams going forward and they list also a number of players that are available here so why don't we take a look at some of those names AJ why don't you lead us off and and let me let me do this with you you're the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins AJ if you look at this board which players would you like to see your club take a look at in free agency well, I mean, I got to start with keeping your pieces. And so number one for, for me uh, is Nick Benino. He He's not uh, quite as, as flashy as some other spots or, or some other players that are out there. Doesn't put up quite as many points, but his contributions on the uh, power play penalty kill especially is huge. He's a big block shots guy. Uh, and so I think from that standpoint, I really want to see them resign him. Um, another kind of interesting player that's out there is Andre Markov. Uh, he's going to be a, an unrestricted free agent. Now he's a little bit older. So I think he is going to appeal to more teams that are in a win now situation. Uh, 36 points from the blue line last year, 21 minutes. You know, there was a lot of talk about the pens, uh, making the Stanley cup with an unheralded blue line. So I think that's, uh, another spot that they can fill in. There are some interesting restricted free agent players out there. I expect most of them will re-sign with their teams, but technically Leon Dreisaitl, Jasper Fast, Andre Palat, Tyler Johnson, all restricted free agents that are going to need to get paid. So it'll be interesting to see how they fit in with their teams going forward. Uh, and so, yeah, those are a couple guys that I think I could see maybe the Penguins targeting. Uh, another option out there, Alexander Radulov. He's got 54 points last year uh, in another phenomenal player. Now, I'm not sure where he would fit in with Pittsburgh, but he's going to get paid by somebody uh, pretty big. And then lastly, I'll just throw out Redeem Vibrata uh, from Arizona. Again, another uh, scorer. He was one of the highlights uh, from that Arizona team, and there weren't many last year. It was definitely a tough, tough season but he was still able to put up some serious production while playing on a bad team. So those are a couple of guys that I see potentially fitting in. Paul, I'll give you the same question. Maple Leafs, uh, you're in charge now. Who are you looking at? Well, uh, a name that popped, it, uh, popped up when I started to look at this list was Dan Girardi. At 33 years old, he's on the back half of his career. A guy who kind of uh, fell into disfavor with the Rangers, but he, for the longest time, held the mantle of defensive linchpin in terms of shutdown defensive capabilities. The Leafs really don't have a guy in that mold. And also, Girardi brings a ton of leadership. All Both of those skills are going to be in uh, demand uh, 
on the free agent market in general teams are always looking for that combo but he, he might be a nice fit in Toronto he'll take a little bit less than the five million dollar cap hit 5.5 million dollar cap hit on his listing uh, for the past couple of years he'll cost come in a lot cheaper than that I think going forward and might be a nice compliment to, to what the youngsters are that the Leafs are trying to groom here they've also drafted heavily on the defensive side of the puck so I guess getting Girardi if they could to uh, agree to a two or three year deal might be ideal here as a as a nice fit uh, if they're looking for a guy a little bit younger uh, who who maybe also doesn't have much to stand on in terms of a contract demands it's Dmitry Kulikov for me this is a hulking type size defenseman with a great skating ability just hasn't put it all together though and can't, is coming off a miserable year for the Buffalo Sabres where he only collected five points and in, in 40 seven games you're thinking why would you look at this guy but I'm looking at the fact that this guy had a great junior career had a pretty couple a good good couple of years in Florida before he went to Buffalo things just kind of went south for him with the Sabres though and maybe he needs another rebirth and then you wonder how far uh, Brent uh, Kevin Shattenkirk will go uh, in terms of the, the height of his salary demands he's coming off a cap hit of 4.2 million the salary was 5.2 million maybe the cream of the crop in terms of defensemen are, that are available 56 points in 80 games last year but AJ under the bright lights of the playoffs this guy did not play well in the postseason and I think he cost himself a little bit of money here so I'm really curious to see how much his salary demands will be going forward if you're looking at goalie Steve Mason is a UFA played with the Flyers last year came uh, uh, with the price tag of 4.1 million dollars he's a guy who could carry a team's first uh, string role for a little while I think he's that good but uh, really had a bit of a so-so year with the Flyers last year. The one loss record wasn't where you'd like to see it. The goals against was probably middle of the road at 266 a game. A save percentage is what's alarming for me, though. Just over 90%. You want it a little bit higher than that. So maybe that's why people shied away. Then in terms of one of the restricted free agents, that's going to be, uh, I'll keep an eye on what's happening with uh, the Panth- the uh, Predators, rather. Ryan Johansson, a guy who got a Severely, severe injury in the offseason, uh, hoping to re- uh, reestablish his health and uh, give them no concerns going forward. He, he is a restricted free agent. I, I can't see the Predators giving up on him in any way, shape, or form, but it's just a wonder of what the salary demands might be there given the injury and the, nat- the serious nature that it entails. So there's a few of the names that we are going to look at in free agency. We'll also do a show about these guys uh, once they sign AJ maybe we'll let the dust settle for a week or two after the July 1st uh, free agent frenzy and come back to our listeners with an analysis of where the players have come and gone and what might be available still at that point in the offseason but we want to wind up our show we'll uh, we've shied away from the stud of the week Uh, let's let's give a nod to the Hall of Fame class before we sign off it was just announced yesterday and uh, leading the list was uh, Timo Solani he had 684 goals in 1457 points in 1,451 games played, 76 goals as a rookie. This guy was as a, a lock as lock gets in terms of Hall of Fame claims. Uh, let's, let's talk about him for a minute before we go through the other guys. Yeah, a great, <clears throat> great, great talent there. Um, as you mentioned, a, a clear lock uh, for this year's class. I, I think what's interesting is, uh, in, in my mind, for whatever reason, Timo Solani still comes up as a Winnipeg Jet for me, uh, you know, despite having spent a, a lot of time with, with the Ducks. Um, but for whatever reason, he just sticks in, in my mind as, as a Jet. 
Uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of an, an interesting perspective on, on that, how, how these players, you know, later in their career, uh, after it all winds up kind of, uh, stick in your head as a, as a certain type or a certain style of player, despite what they might've done, uh, with another team, you know, and, and in looking at this class, I, I listened to a lot of analysis yesterday from some reporters and one guy's comment stuck in my head. The Hall of Fame, in his mind, should represent players who created a bit of a wow factor for for him, uh, and that's why they should be in the Hall of Fame. In addition to all their impressive offensive mathematics, the, looking at this list, the only other guy that fits that mold for me is Paul Carrier, who was exactly a point per game player in his 989 games played. Boy, when this guy took to the ice, you had to keep an eye on him. He forced you to because he just flew up and down. He was one of the speediest guys in his whole whole era. Had a tremendous amount of offensive skill uh, as the point-per-game production does show. And he was a long-time teammate of Timo Solani. They were a fine pairing throughout their careers. And uh, his his career, though, was cut short by injury. It's a shame. Would have been nice to see him get over the 1,000-point mark as well and just to see how high he could have come on the, on the career leaderboards. But Paul Carrier, for me, is one of those other guys on this in this class who really deserved uh, the nod uh, just because of that wow factor, uh, as opposed to guys who did put up fantastic numbers like Mark Recchi and, and Dave Anderchuk, who was a personal favorite of mine coming through Toronto, as he did to collect a 50-goal campaign. These guys had long careers, over 1,600 points, in their careers and uh, great offensive totals so really you can't say no to either one of them it's just that they were a notch below the other two guys in terms of the wow factor for me absolutely agree and and you mentioned uh, Andrew Chuck with with the Leafs prior to that he was with the Buffalo Sabres and that was a, a formative time for me when I was uh, out actually living in Buffalo so he's one of those players that I always think very fondly of uh, having grown up in that city and, and watched him play in person uh, in the early 90s before he headed over to Toronto. I uh, did make a quick stop back with the Sabres back in 2000, uh, but, uh, you know, ended his career with Tampa Bay. So an all-around great player there. And then, of course, Mark Recchi, uh, time with the Penguins, two stints with them as well. So uh, I do find it interesting uh, watching guys going back to, uh, you know, previous teams uh, later in their careers to, to try and reignite uh, what they might have had there and, and repeat uh, some of their success. Well, and and then we have to go to the women's side of the ledger. Women have be, uh, become more prominent in hockey, obviously, over the last decade or two. And Danielle Goyette, uh, seven gold medals as a women's champion, a silver and two golds at the Olympics for Team Canada over the years. A fine leader and a fine scorer in her own right, one of the very best that's ever played the game. Uh, among the women uh, that are coming more and more increasingly prominent in in the sport. There's Women's League in North America as well that's really gaining some momentum, and and the best players in the world are showing up there. So kudos to them for growing the game that they have. And I look forward at the Olympics almost as much to to the men's side of the ledger as the women's side when we've seen the Canadians and the U.S. line up against one another, and Goyette has been central to that theme for many, many years. So kudos to her for being the uh, next representative who makes the grade at the Hall of Fame level. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd, I'd like to, you know, maybe add uh, to this is I'd like to see a little more representation by some of these uh, superb female hockey players on the Hall of Fame board. Um, I, I don't believe there's any on there right now. 
And that, so I think it uh, somewhat underappreciates uh, their contributions to the game of hockey. It is a hockey hall of fame, not necessarily a, a NHL hall of fame. So uh, just a, a little more added, uh, you know, perspective, I think would help uh, kind of highlight the, the women's game as well. Yeah, I think that's coming down the road, but you're, you're quite right currently. It's just kind of an old boys club in terms of recently retired NHL players or management types that are dotting the selection committee. And so a further nod to the, to the women's game could be made by having some more representation by women on that board to make, uh, make it look a little more level in terms of representation going forward. Uh, and then we finally come to the builders, players that were off-ice types who have had a hand in the, the growth of this game. And it's kind of neat that they have an NHL level and then a, co- a U- uh, Canadian college level uh, entrance. So Jeremy Jacobs gets the nod. This guy's been the principal owner of the Boston Bruins since 1975, presiding over us some of the best years in Boston Bruins history and a real consistent level of play by the Bruins uh, always seems they find a way to make the playoffs more often than not and Jacobs will accept nothing less he's a very demanding kind of an old school type owner it's not a corporate ownership here in Boston and that's one aspect that I really like but he's been also a bit of a thorn in the side of hockey with uh, his stance uh, during a couple of the strike scenarios that we've seen in the past. So uh, a bit of a negative there, uh, as well as all the positives that he represents. Uh, just the fact that he's been so vocal in some of the strike talks. He's a very uh, outspoken man, but you can't discount the fact that he's been presiding over the Bruins for so many years. And then Claire Drake, a guy who was ca- kind of bit unsung, and this this uh, is long overdue. I remember this guy, ever, talk of this guy ever since I was a kid as a prominent coach with the U.S. Uh, University of Alberta Golden Bears, coaching there for 28 years in a row, which is something that's kind of almost unheard of in this day and age. But Drake gets the nod and well-deserved. So uh, that rounds out the squad uh, from top to bottom in terms of the Hall of Fame class. Any other comments from you, A.J.? No, I just think it's a it's overall a great class. I think they did a wonderful job uh, adding the the people that they did. Uh, kind of all walks uh, all walks of life. You have you know your top top guys in in Selena, uh, Solani and Korea. You've got uh, you know career guys in Recky and Anderchuk, uh, Goyette uh, representing the women's game, and then uh, an owner and a coach. So I think an all around uh, well rounded group. You know what? The only rant of the week that we have, uh, AJ, is that there's uh, no games until October. We're going to have to fill the gap by talking hockey with all the developments going on the rest of the summer. And we'll continue to do that on the podcast. So you and I will encourage listeners to circle back or keep an eye on, on things on the Twitter pages as we will consistently be out there talking about what's next for the podcast. So we thank you for listening to this and all the other podcasts this season, but there'll be more to come in the offseason. Wraps it up for this week's uh, episode of Podcast with uh, Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments and questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We ask you to look out for podcast hockey pods throughout the summer so you get all, all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody. 